This morning we find ourselves at the beginning of the 11th chapter of Mark, where Jesus triumphantly enters the city of Jerusalem as king. I mean, this is what we celebrate each year on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. We, we find the story over in Mark 11, verses 1 through 11. Let me read it for you. It says, they, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're doing this, tell him the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They, they went and found a colt outside in, in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat down on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's, let's pause for prayer. Dear, dear Father, I thank you so very much for the privilege of sharing this message today. And God, I pray in these moments that your son will be glorified as king. And God, I pray that that will be true not only in this message, but I pray also be true in the life that we live. Be with us now. Help us to hear your message and then help us to apply it to our lives. We pray all that in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All of us have seen pictures of a coronation of a king or queen. It is full of pomp and circumstance. I mean, there's this elaborate processional. Uh, there, there's a, a ritual ceremony. There, there's a formal crowning followed by a large celebration. Of course, there was none of that that day when Jesus came into Jerusalem. And yet, he was nonetheless a king. As a matter of fact, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. It's interesting that the first event in Jesus' life that is recorded in all four of the Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000 with five barley loaves and two fish. And if you remember, after that great miracle, the people wanted to make Jesus king. John 6 15 tells us, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. The people were wanting Jesus to be their earthly king. They were wanting him to overthrow the oppressive Roman rule in Israel. But Jesus hadn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. He came instead to set up a spiritual kingdom. And that was his focus as he arrived that Palm Sunday into Jerusalem. 
The second event in Jesus' life that, again, is all four Gospels, is his triumphal entry. It is the beginning of his coronation as king. And in today's scripture, we learn three truths about King Jesus. The first truth, Jesus is a king who desires to accomplish the scriptures. Notice how the story begins. We're going to work our way through the text. Mark 11, verses 1 through 3. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethbridge and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell them that the Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. The Bible does not tell us how Jesus knew that there would be a colt tied up in the village that had never been ridden. It doesn't tell us how Jesus knew that the colt's owner would quickly agree to let his disciples borrow it. It may have been that Jesus used divine power to know that the colt was there and available. Or it may have been that he made arrangements earlier for the use of the colt. We don't know. But what we do know is that the Old Testament prophet, Zechariah, that he had predicted that the Messiah would arrive as a king on a colt. Matthew, in his gospel, notes the fulfillment of that prophecy. He recorded in Matthew 21, verses 4 and 5, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Obviously, Jesus wanted to make sure that he was accomplishing what the prophet Zechariah had predicted about Israel's king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey colt. Plus, it's significant that God chose a colt. A king in that day would ride in on a war horse if he was proudly preparing for battle. But he would ride in on a colt if he was humbly seeking peace. Jesus came humbly seeking peace. Spiritual peace for his people and spiritual peace for you and me. Now, now to do that, Jesus was following God's plan for him as laid out in the scriptures. And he was also leading his disciples to follow God's plan for them as well. Mark 11, verses 4 through 6. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. It was Jesus' desire... For his life to accomplish what God's word says. And it was also his desire that his disciples would accomplish God's word after him. And and we're a part of that. that. That means we are never on the wrong road when we follow Jesus and his word. We are never on the wrong road when we follow Jesus' humble example. We are never on the wrong road when we strive to accomplish what the scriptures teach. 
The Apostle John makes an interesting observation in his account of the triumphant entry. He wrote in John 12, 16, His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. The disciples didn't understand until after Jesus' ascension into heaven that the Lord riding in on this donkey colt was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was then they could look back and see how Jesus was accomplishing the scriptures. And they could look back as well to see how they had a part in accompanying and accomplishing the scriptures. Now Jesus had left this task for us today as his disciples. We now have a part in accompanying the scriptures. We have a part in bringing God's word alive in our lives. Our King Jesus desired to accomplish the scripture in his life, and he desires us as his subjects, as his disciples, to accomplish the scriptures in our lives. That's the first truth. The the second truth, Jesus is a king who deserves to be worshipped. And certainly he was worshipped as he entered Jerusalem. We pick up the story, Mark 11, verses 7 and 8. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on, on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. There were many times in Jesus' ministry when he was despised and rejected by people. But that day, the day the, the crowd honored him and worshipped him. I mean, imagine the scene as the people used their clothes as a saddle for Jesus, and then they used their clothes as a red carpet for the donkey colt that he rode upon. For many in Israel, their cloak was one of their most valuable possessions. And yet many of them were willing to lay down their their cloaks before the donkey colt. See, they wanted to honor Jesus. They, They wanted to praise him. Mark 11, verses 9 and 10. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he is the kingdom, the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Each of these sayings is significant. The word Hosanna means Lord save us. The people were looking for the Lord to save them, to save them from Roman rule. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord comes from the 118th Psalm. A psalm which praises God for delivering Israel from Egyptian bondage. Now they were hoping that Jesus would deliver them from Roman bondage. Blessed is the one, blessed is the kingdom, the coming kingdom of our father David. The crowd was obviously looking forward to the Messiah's coming kingdom. And they were hoping that Jesus might be that Messiah, hoping that he might be the king to restore the greatness of David's kingdom 
to Israel. And then that last phrase, Hosanna in the highest. It means you who live in the highest heaven, save us. It is clear from these sayings that the crowd around Jesus that day had some misunderstandings about the Messiah and what the Messiah would do. But they did understand this, as we need to understand. And that is, as their hopeful Messiah, Jesus deserved to be worshipped. He deserved to be worshipped by them, and he deserved to be, deserves to be worshipped by us. Jesus was also worshipped that day because of all the miracles that he had done. Luke 19, 37, we read it in our call to worship today. But when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Imagine who may have been in the crowd that Palm Sunday. Bartimaeus may have been there, the blind man. Jesus had just given sight. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus had just saved and forgiven. Lazarus was there. The, the friend Jesus had just raised from the dead. Plus, there were many others who Jesus had healed or ministered to. And they were all praising him for what he had done. And I believe that we should join them in, in worshiping Jesus because of all the great things that he has done for us. Because he has done greater things for us than he did for them. Plus, Jesus deserves to be worshipped because of all that he taught. Look, look at Matthew 21, verses 10 and 11. It says, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The people in Jerusalem wanted to know who this man was on the donkey colt. They wanted to know why they were worshiping him. And they told him, well, man, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. A prophet was a person who presented God's message. And that was an important part of Jesus' ministry. He was presenting God's message. And by studying what Jesus taught in Scripture he is also presenting his message to us. And for this, people, he deserves to be worshipped. His wisdom and his knowledge far exceeds everything that we know. I mean, think about it. The people on Palm Sunday knew Jesus to be a miracle worker. They, they believed him to be God's prophet they hoped that he was the promised Messiah, and for all of that, he deserved to be worshipped. He deserved their worship. However, we know that he is much more than that. We, we know that Jesus is the son of the living God. We, we know the rest story. We know that he died and rose again, and he's coming again. We, we know that he is our Savior as Christians. We, we know that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And again, for all of that, he deserves our worship. He deserves our worship as we commit our lives to him. 
He deserves our worship as we sacrificially give our lives for him, and he deserves our worship in our highest praise. That that is the second lesson. Our King Jesus deserves to be worshipped. He deserved to be worshipped that day in Jerusalem, and he deserves to be worshipped by us today. We are his subjects, and he is our king. That brings us to the third truth. Jesus is a king who discerns everything. Look at the last verse of our text, Mark eleven eleven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. As quickly as this parade began on, on, on Palm Sunday, the parade was over. And so Jesus closes out the rest of his day with a quick inspection of the temple. It says that he looked around at everything. I mean, he could see all of the activity taking place at the temple square for the Passover. They, they believe that the population of Jerusalem back in the first century was around 80,000 people. But when the feast of, of, of Passover came, it is said that there may have been as many as 2 million people in town. And again, they were all there to observe the Passover to remember how God freed his people centuries earlier from Egyptian bondage. And so all these people are gathered there, and they're buying oxen and sheep and pigeons for their sacrifices. I mean, this is big business, complete with all kinds of shops and all kinds of bankers to exchange money for temple bucks. And as we will learn in our next study what Jesus saw, happening in the temple that day, angered him. However, what troubled Jesus most was what he saw in people's hearts. Luke Luke tells us in his gospel, as Jesus reached the, the city of Jerusalem and got the first glimpse of the city on that Palm Sunday, listen to how he reacted. Luke 19, verses 41 through 44. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days, the days will come upon you when, when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. People, it saddened Jesus when he saw the city of Jerusalem and all the people gathered there. He was saddened because he knew their hearts. He knew that most of the people that were there would reject him. As a result, they would never know the peace of God that he came to give. They they would never know the salvation that he would die for. Instead, they would know suffering because they rejected Jesus 
his peace and his salvation. See, Jesus knew that day at the triumphal entry, those who worshipped him sincerely and would remain faithful to him. He also knew those who would worship him casually and would be crying for his crucifixion before the week was out. Jesus knew as he looked at everything at the temple, those who were worshiping God in their hearts and those who were only going through the activities of worship. I want you to realize this morning that King Jesus sees everything. He discerns what's in our hearts and minds. That's the third truth. That means Jesus knows when, when we worshiped him, he knows whether we worship him sincerely or casually. He, he knows wh whether we worshiped him in our hearts or only went through the activities of worship. Jesus is our king, people, and we are his subjects, and we should want to honor him from the inside out. We, we should want our whole lives to honor King Jesus. That, that brings us to our practical applications here this morning. I've got some action steps, four action steps to share with you, I, I think as a result of this morning's message. Number one, recognize Jesus as the King of kings and Lord of lords. More importantly, Recognize Him as your Lord and King. See, that's the important step. It's one thing that He might be the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but, but to make Him your Lord, to make Him your King. Oh, it's so important. Now, number two, as one of King's Jesus' subject, strive to follow His example and accomplish the Scriptures in your life. Just as Jesus dedicated his life to following the scriptures, just as he led his early disciples, again, to do everything in their lives to follow the scriptures, we need to do everything in our lives to follow the scriptures, to bring the word of God alive in our lives. Number three, give Jesus the worship he deserves as your king with your heart and life, inside and out. May, may we be a witness to this community that we worship Jesus. Amen? And then last of all, remember as you live your life that Jesus sees it all, even what is unseen in your heart and mind. Jesus discerns everything. He knows it all. He knows you maybe better than you know yourself. He knows whether you're just going through the motions of Christianity or maybe the motions of worship. Are we truly worshiping? Are we truly giving ourselves to him? That's what he wants. That's true worship. Let, let's pray. Dear, dear Father, I thank you again for this opportunity to share. And God, I pray that we will truly worship Jesus as king. He deserves to be worshiped by all of us. And the day will come when every knee will bow before him. But God, I pray that we will recognize now that he is king. And we will worship him 
making him Lord and Savior of our lives. I pray that for each individual who's listening. God, just work in each of our lives that your son may be praised. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you all for for listening this morning. We're glad that you shared with us. Again, the invitation's always open for you to come and worship with us on Sunday mornings at 1030 here at the Paxton Church of Christ. We're right across from Hardy's. We're also here to minister to you in any way that we can. If there's some way we can help you or some way we can pray for you, please let us know. Give us a call on our church phone. That's 379-4443. Or again, you can contact us through our website. There's a contact page at paxtonchurchofchrist.org. Once again, we thank you for listening. We pray God's blessing upon you in the week ahead.